Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Hi, it's Susie. As we prepare for season two of the Women in Money podcast, Sarah, my co-host, and I wanted to share some highlights from season one. I want to talk about something that is very, very important to every single woman listening. And it is the concept of trusting yourself more than you trust others. So often, we listen to what everybody else has to say. And what we think doesn't matter, it's what everybody else tells us to do. We call up our friends and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And whether they say this or that, we do this and that, even if that's not what we feel we really want to do. This is the time, especially when it comes to our money, that we all need to be financial grown-ups. And we need to know what we need to do with our own money. You work 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, possibly 80 hours or more a week to earn it. And maybe you just let it sit there. Maybe you listen to a loved one as to what to do with it. And chances are they don't even know what they're talking about. And possibly you also seek financial advice because you just think that other financial professionals, of course, would know better than you. First of all, I doubt that's true, but let's just say you go to a financial advisor. Here's what I want you to promise me. If you ever find yourself sitting in a financial advisor's office and they tell you to do something, and in your gut you're feeling, but I don't like this, I don't want to do it, you have got to trust your gut. You have got to trust yourself more than you trust others, even if the others are financial professionals. Number one. Number two, you are never, ever, ever to talk yourself into trusting anybody. If you're sitting there and for whatever reason you're not liking that person that you're with and that's what you're feeling, get up and walk out. Do not sit there and rationalize it and think to yourself, well, everybody else loves this person. He or she has made everybody else a whole lot of money. So obviously this person must be good. If you feel that you don't like this person or how you're feeling with this person, you get up and you walk out. And number three, it is better to do nothing than to do something you do not understand. If you can just abide by those three things, trusting yourself more than you trust others, never talking yourself into trusting anyone, and don't do something you do not understand. If you could just do that, 
then I promise you, you will not make the financial mistake that so many people make and they wish they hadn't. Because when they look back on it, they go, no, I didn't really want to do it. And then I always say to them, but why did you? And they have all these excuses. From this day forward, you are going to trust yourself more than you trust others. Got that? Right now, I want to take this opportunity to introduce somebody to all of you who's a very, very special person to me, and I hope she becomes a special person to all of you as well. And her name is Sarah Puel. She is 39 years of age. She is a mama of little Charlie, who's just a few months old, and I wanted Sarah to co-host this podcast with us, and let me tell you why. It is no secret that I am now getting older and also I have never been a mother. And I want every single woman who calls into this podcast, who listens to this podcast, to be able to have a perspective that relates to every single one of you. Also, very shortly, we are going to have a women and money community where Sarah will be the moderator. And we're going to set that up on Facebook for all of you so that we can continue the conversations that we have here on the podcast, so that we can answer questions individually, so that we can create a community to bring your money to, to bring your questions to to bring your financial lives to. A little bit about Sarah is she has dedicated her whole adult life to educating adults to make it easy for them to learn. We have worked together for years now and I know you are going to love her. So with that, Sarah, welcome to the Women and Money Podcast, girlfriend. Oh, thank you, Susie. I am really excited to be here. It's been a fun couple weeks getting to interact with lots of women with lots of interesting questions, questions I myself have had in the past that you and I have talked about. So I'm really, really excited to be doing this with you. Fabulous. So ask me a question. Well, first question comes from Lynn. She's recently divorced. And listen, Susie, it was not her choice. And so now she's got some money to invest and she wants to know what to do with it. First, I want everybody to learn from the question that Lynn just asked. She just said to me, I have some money to invest. What should I do with it? How is it possible that I can tell her what to do with her money when I know nothing about her? And that's the danger. People go into financial advisors' offices all the time, and they say, I have $50,000 to invest. I have $10,000 to invest. And then the advisor just says, do this and do that. Wrong. I would need to know from Lynn. Is she happy right now? Is she, you know, with kids? Does she have any credit card debt? Does she have a will? Does she have a trust? Does she have a mortgage on her home? Does she have, what does she have going on in her life? 401k debt, student loan debt, all of these things. How does she feel about investing? And then maybe I could tell her what to do. But there is a law of money and it goes like this. You are to do absolutely nothing with your money other than keeping it safe and sound for at least six months to one year after suffering the loss of a loved one. You said, she said, it wasn't her choice, which means her heart is broken. And how many times in my life did I see clients right after they were divorced or they suffered the death of their you know, spouse, and, and a year later, they come to see me again and they go, 
can you just tell me why we did all of this? I can't remember anything from that period of time. So you all may think that you're in your body, but you're not. So she could pay off her credit card debt. Maybe even her mortgage, any debt that she has, but she needs to keep her money safe and sound for at least six months to one year. That is her advice from me. Next question. All right, Susie. Anne is curious about something. She says she's heard you say not to use financial advisors at banks. Why do you tell people that? Because, Anne, banks are banks. And in my opinion, banks should be places where you deposit money. Maybe you borrow money for, you know, to finance a home, but not to invest money. There are so many ways to invest money today where you do not have to pay a commission or a load. And when you usually use an advisor at a bank, they can only sell you commission-based items like loaded mutual funds. I also just don't think, sorry bankers, that the advisors at banks are the best advisors out there. I just think you're far better off either doing it on your own, a full service brokerage firm, or a discount brokerage firm, but I would not be using advisors at a bank. So that takes us to Joe. So are you saying you hate all financial advisors, Susie? No, I do not hate all financial advisors. In fact, here's what I will tell you. If you have a good financial advisor, they are worth their weight in gold, and you should tell every single person you know about this person. What I don't like is mediocre financial advisors or advisors that put their interest in front of their clients, and they're only there for them to be able to pay their mortgage, their car payment, and they don't really care about what they sell you just so they make a commission on it. So, yes, I like great financial advisors. Problem is, there just aren't too many of them out there if you ask me. Next question. All right, Susie, pretty soon we're going to go to our caller, and our caller is going to ask us about annuities and mutual funds. So before we take that call, I want you to explain the difference between annuities and mutual funds so everybody understands the question that we're about to get. Mm. So it's it's a little bit difficult to do in a short period of time, but let me give it let me give it my best here. An annuity is simply a contract with an insurance company, and let me tell you why I don't like most annuities. When you put money in an annuity, there is a surrender period, which means if you take it out before five, seven, or ten years, they are going to charge you a fee, and that fee can be as high as ten percent. That is a lot of money, people. Also, they sell it to you under the guise that it's tax deferred. Great. So you put money in the annuity and you take it out. You've deferred the taxes, but when you take it out, it's going to be taxed to you as ordinary income. What is that about? A mutual fund, on the other hand, is simply mutually you all invest in a pool of money, tens of thousands of you, and this pool of money has a portfolio manager that manages all the fund's money and buys stocks, and you own a sliver of those stocks, of all of that pool of money, with all the other investors. The great part about a mutual fund is that as you're holding it, You don't have to pay taxes on it in most cases. And if you've held it for over a year and you take money out, you're going to pay capital gains tax on it. Big difference. So you have freedom in a mutual fund within an annuity that invests 
in stocks called a variable annuity, you don't have freedom. There are charges in everything. So bottom line is this. I don't like annuities, and I specifically don't like them to be held in retirement accounts because it makes no sense to have a tax-deferred investment in a tax-deferred vehicle. Did that make sense to you, Sarah? Yeah, that made a whole lot of sense. Well, that's good because annuities can be very, very dangerous. Sometimes it makes sense, but most of the time it does not. We're going to go ahead and go to our caller, uh, Laura. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. Laura says she's moved her money and her husband's money from a mutual fund to an annuity within their Roth IRAs on the advice of a financial advisor. She adds a total of 6500 a year each, or 13000 combined, into both of their accounts, and she wants to know if she made a mistake. Laura, Laura, Laura. Girlfriend, <laughs> I love when you do I that. Have, I know I there's a problem. I just have to ask you this question, sweetheart. Go ahead. Where, where did you meet this person that convinced you to take your money yeah. from a Roth IRA and put it into a Roth annuity? At the time... I was dealing with my mother and having to move her to my home and her finances, so I felt kind of like rushed into figuring out what to do. So I went to these people when my mother had her things, and I explained, and they said, at your age, you should move this into an annuity, and Laura trusted them because that's what Laura does, and that's the answer to your question. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like it wasn't the right thing to do, but you just did it because somebody else was telling you to do it and you trusted them more than you trusted yourself? Yes, with the added statement that in my mind, I felt I just didn't know enough to figure on why this wouldn't be a good idea. I just, I All just, right. I, ha yeah. I have to say I was hurried. I'm not going to lie. I was hurried. If ever you are in a hurry, women, listen to me out there now. If ever you're rushed, something else is going on in your life, just do nothing. Just do yeah. nothing. Here yeah. is the reason why. First of all, can you tell me what type of an annuity you purchase? I recall that it's based on the S&P 500 and that it adjusts every January to... Uh, Whatever the eighty or ninety percent of, and you can never lose money, and blah 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 blah, and all that stuff. You purchase what was called an indexed annuity, and they are sold under the guise that you will never get less than what you originally put in, that you will always get eighty to ninety percent of the Standard and Poor's five hundred index, and every year it resets at whatever it, it may happen to be. You cannot think in today's economy that at fifty five you are getting old. You have got to think right. that you have many, many years left that you should be investing in the stock market, dollar cost averaging into these either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, but why you just couldn't have done that in your Roth IRA and why you had to do it in an annuity is beyond me. The reason they I told you know. to do that, yeah. I'll tell you why. Did you ever ask them the commission that they got to sell you this annuity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, but I figured uh, they've got to be getting commission. I didn't ask them how much, but I always imagined that's the way it is. Uh-huh. And did they happen to tell you what your surrender charge would be? How many years you had to stay in that annuity before you could come out? 
Uh, no. Uh, they gave me the thing. They told me to read it over. It's about two inches thick. Here's the thing. It's not the worst mistake that you ever made. But you would never, ever, ever own an annuity within a tax-free vehicle, such as a Roth mm-hmm. IRA. It's already tax-free. And an annuity is simply tax-deferred. Mm-hmm. You're in it now. Fine. No big deal. Do you own a home? I do. Do you own, have a mortgage on that home? It's a home equity line. Girlfriend, you listen to me and you listen to me carefully. A home equity line of credit happens to be a type of loan that as interest rates go up, your interest will go up as well. You need to make, and interest rates are currently starting to go up. If I had extra money, which you do, you would be far better off at this point in time of paying down that home equity loan. Okay. Get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it because it's okay. sitting on you. And now maybe you took it out when it was at a low interest rate. And I'm telling you, interest rates are going to go up and so will yeah. the interest rate most likely on your home equity loan. What did so you take out the here. loan for? Long story short is we went from having no mortgage to having a home equity line because he needed money for the business and they put $50,000 in there. And yeah. then I had a couple of debts that, that were hovering over my brain. I put them in there. And it wasn't until after I did that that I saw one of your programs that said, never, ever, 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 as like you like to say, put... Anything that's an unsecured debt in a home equity line of credit, but Laura had already done that. So it's right. about a hundred thousand. It's about seven hundred bucks a month. So we pay more now living here twenty-seven years later than we did when we moved here. At the age of fifty-five, are you going to stay living in this home? Yes. If you're going to stay living in this home. You have got to make it your number one priority to own that house outright in the next 10 years. Do you hear me? Okay. Yes, I do. That more than the stock market, more than anything else, I don't care. You tell the financial advisors when they come knocking on your door to get the hell away from you. Stay away from you Mm because the only thing you are going to do with every extra penny that you have now is you Mm -hmm. are going to pay down that mortgage because the goal of money is to make you feel secure and nothing is going to make you feel more secure than owning your home outright. So that is the goal here. And everything else that you're doing is making you feel insecure. Does this financial advisor know what they're talking about? Does this person know what they're talking about? And it turns out none of them know what they're talking about. But you know what you're talking about because you have been listening to me long enough now. You should have known better. You should have known better. You know, since I never understood it exactly, and this happens so fast, I'm not making excuses. It's just that I didn't know what to do, and I did what I thought I was doing. Right. You're not going to add any more to that annuity. No. Rather I'm going to take funding $400 a, month. a Roth IRA every year for $6,500 mm-hmm. each. You're going to stop doing that. You're going to take that $13,000 and you're going to pay down your mortgage. 
You aren't exactly. going to put money in the stock market anymore. You're going to take that 13000 get rid of the mortgage, get rid of the mortgage, That's get it. rid of the mortgage. That's and it. in the long okay. run, no more investing it will save of any you. sort. That's right. Okay. right? And because your then goal, if you're going to keep that yep. house, is mm-hmm. to not have a mortgage by the time you're 65. And if you don't have a mortgage, then you don't need $800,000 in a Roth IRA to generate income to pay the mortgage. This is true. We already have your plans for the next 10 years. The mortgage, the mortgage, the mortgage, and nothing else, okay? Oh, thank you so much. I am so happy. I appreciate it so much that you reached out to me. All right, now wait. I just have to ask you this. And all the women listening, did you just hear Laura's voice from the beginning of this call? To when she just said with this breath, she went, thank you so much. I'm so happy because you knew what I was saying to you was the correct thing. We should always feel it in our gut when we are being told the truth. You feel it and it makes you feel good. Thank you very much. All right, sweetheart. Bye bye. You know, I always feel so sad when I speak to somebody like Laura, who I know she worked so hard and her husband worked so hard for this money, and she trusted, she trusted this financial advisor to give her the best advice. I personally believe if you want to find the best financial advisor in the world, just look in the mirror. Because what happens to your money only affects the quality of your life. If for whatever reason you decide that you still want to see a financial advisor, okay. But I want you to follow these five guidelines Forever and a day, do you hear me? Number one, they have got to work for a major brokerage firm. You cannot deal with a one-office mom-and-pop operation because if you go there one day and they're boarded up, what are you going to do? So you want a financial advisor who works for a firm that has hundreds of offices throughout the United States. Number two, I want you, when you deal with a financial advisor and you give them your money, to write the check payable to the brokerage firm. Never, ever, ever, as you all know now that I like to say, write the check to the advisor. Number three, without you having to ask, a good advisor will tell you how they charge, how they make their money. There are usually three ways. Commission-based, which means every time you buy and sell, they make a commission. Fee-based, which means they take money under management and they charge you a fee, but you do not pay commissions. If you do that, you should never pay more than 1%. And sometimes they'll just charge you a fee or an hourly wage to give you financial advice. And then you have to go and do that advice somewhere else. Those are three ways. Now, the fourth thing. How long should a financial advisor be in business for you to do business with them? In my opinion, you only want to do business with a financial advisor that has been in business for at least 50.
15 years. Why? Because you want an advisor that has experienced up markets, down markets, crashes, recessions, depressions, all kinds of things. Just if an advisor has been in the past 10 years, we have had a market that has gone up up, up over these last 10 years. That doesn't give them a track record. They did great because the market did great. You want an advisor that over 15, 20 years, they've done great for their clients overall and they don't freak out. And the fifth, this is an interesting one in that if you go to see a financial advisor and they simply tell you to purchase a whole life, universal, variable life, or variable annuity, in my opinion, you have a salesperson there and not an advisor. It is no secret that I hate those four investments. They are on my top 10 hate list. So therefore, let that be a warning sign to you that if any advisor suggests any of those four, that's not somebody that I would be doing business with if I were you. But here is the bottom line of today's podcast. I really want all of you to just do one thing and one thing only. And it is this, to trust yourself more than you trust others. Thank you for listening to this special highlight from Season 1 of the Susie Orman Women & Money Podcast. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.